good morning. We are glad you are here. Galatians chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning. Galatians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, please turn there. Are you in need of grace this morning? Are you in need of grace? few months ago, we went through the book of James, the entire book, and we saw going through that book that we should serve the Lord, we should get off the sidelines, get in the game, we should go all out, serve the Lord because of the gospel, because he set us free, because he paid our debt, because we owe everything to him, we need to get busy serving the Lord. It's kind of what believers do is they serve. They serve the Lord. That's what you do. You love God, you love people, and you try not to worry about everything else. But the reason that it's really healthy for us to follow that up with the book of Galatians is because if we're not careful in our serving, we will begin to think that we are somebody, or we will begin to think that God is pleased more in us when we have a good week of serving the Lord. We will begin to think that we can earn and gain merit with God based on our good actions. And friend, that is far from the gospel. And here in the book of Galatians, Paul writes this letter to the churches in Galatia. And Paul, just to be frank, he is upset. He's mad as a hornet and somebody kicked his nest. And it's a righteous anger. He's upset because he had just spent a lot of time with these people, teaching them the good news of the gospel that Jesus saves. And then they begin to turn to a false gospel. That can happen to us today, friend. So easy. So Paul, he started most of his letters thinking them, affirming the churches in the areas, trying to find something good to say, to commend them. But this letter is a little different. So if you are physically able, please rise in honor of reading God's Word. We're going to read the entire chapter of Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul begins to share his righteous anger. He says, I am astonished. Strong word. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. So now Paul begins to curse. Just kidding. He says, let them be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. He's asking a question. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Verse 11, for I would have... Have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel? For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church. I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when? Aren't you glad there's a but when in the Bible? But when he who has set me apart from before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia, and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into regions of Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. Father, would you please open up your word, God, to our hearts and minds. Lord, would you speak? God, we just pray that your grace would pour over every person here today. Lord, that every one of us in need of grace, Lord, we would see that we have a fountain deep and wide. Lord, would you reveal that to us today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So normally in Paul's letters, he starts out like this. In Romans chapter 1, he says, I thank God for, your, for you because your faith is proclaimed around the world. In Corinthians, he says, I thank my God for you. The, the letter to Thessalonians, he said, we thank God for, you, for all of you always, remembering you in our prayers, but not this time. Paul says, I am astonished because you have turned to a false gospel. The good news is that we can be saved by grace through faith alone. That's good news. They begin to turn to a different gospel. These Judaizers, these Judas believers, if they were such, They began to demand that Gentiles, that is someone that's not a Jew, demand that they keep all the Mosaic law to be righteous. Uh, They began to demand that the men must be circumcised. They began to demand that you cannot have barbecue nachos anymore. Heresy is what they were doing. They were spreading lies. It broke Paul's heart. 
You see, they begin to be intimidated by the same Pharisees, Pharisees, that's what they are when you put them together. Same Pharisees and Sadducees that really nailed Jesus to the cross. They begin to be intimidated by the people that nailed the Lord to the cross, that had him sentenced to death. They were still intimidated. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jesus rose from the grave three days later, just like he said he would. Now, you think that would encourage them. You would think that that would cause them not to be intimidated by a bunch of weasels. Weak-minded religious nuts is what they were. But the enemy, Satan himself, he tries to intimidate believers, does he not? And I like to call it the spirit of intimidation. And friend, if you are a believer this morning, if you are a son or daughter of the king, you do not have to listen to that punk. You do not have to listen to that spirit. You can confront it and remind him who you are in Christ. And if you know the Lord, then you're free already. So here's the lie that these Judaizers were sharing with these churches. Taught that they had to be good people in order to be righteous Christians. That's a false gospel. And friend, that's a lie that we believe today here in America. That we have to be good people. That we have to clean ourselves up before God will accept us. Friend, that's not true. That is a lie. And it's a lie that you and I hear every day from the enemy. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel. We become righteous Christians by believing in the good gospel. We become righteous Christians because of our faith. Why was Abraham credited to be a righteous man? Because of his faith. It wasn't because he had a really awesome beard with really cool beard oil and it just shimmered when the sun shone on it. No, it's because he had faith. It wasn't because he brought anything to the table, but he believed God. That's what the Lord is impressed with. But there's many false gospels today. Today, there's the health and wealth gospel. You send this money in to this address on the television screen and you will be blessed by God. Benny Hinn, named fact, one time on a television set, he said, if you have a, a dead person in your house, which I don't know who does that, but maybe, and if you bring their casket and put it in front of your television and touch the television and touch the casket, that if you have enough faith, then your dead friend will come back to life. Friend, that's not true. That's a lie. Now, Jesus, in fact, raises people from the dead. Look around. Amen? But there's a lot of false teachers that says if you have enough faith, then you will not have any physical illness. In fact, if you have physical illness, it's because you don't have enough faith. Friend, Jesus said, in this life you will have many troubles. You will have many afflictions. The disciples, the apostles, they all suffered. In fact, they were nine out of, I mean, 11 out of 12 were martyred. For following Jesus, they were martyred. They were slaughtered. I guess they didn't have enough faith. No. You have the word of faith movement. You can speak things into existence. Now, friend, I do believe you need to claim everything you are in Christ. Amen? We do. You're, for, you're forgiven? Claim it. You're set free? Claim it. You're a son of God? Claim it. If you're a daughter of the, of the king, you claim it. Claim that he answers prayer. Claim that he sets people free. Claim that he owns the bank. 
Claims that he claimed that he knows what he's doing. Claim that his grace is enough. My friend, the only one that can speak things into existence is the Lord Jesus. Why does a preacher need an airplane? Preacher don't need an airplane. And people listen to this stuff because it tickles their ears and they send their money in so they will receive a blessing. That's a false gospel. And then you have works righteousness taught by many churches. That if you let your good outweigh your bad, and if you say enough Hail Marys, you'll be fine. That's a false gospel. Mary was a sinner. She was an incredible woman of God. Amen? She was. She was a teenager from the backside of nowhere, and God chose her from before time began to be the one that brought Jesus into this world. But she also needed needed a Savior. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. She says, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You don't need a Savior if you're not a sinner. Luke chapter 2, Mary went to the temple to make a sacrifice. A sacrifice would not have been necessary if she was not a sinner. If she would have been sinless, no need to go up there to the temple and do any sacrifices. Mary was an incredible blessing to us all. She was a woman on a mission. And God gave her that mission as a young teenage girl. But even she called Jesus Lord. Then you have the false gospel of New Age spirituality. Oprah and Rob Bell are spreading this malarkey. That if you, that everybody's going to heaven and that everybody will attain enlightenment whenever they finally realize that they are inherently good. Friend, that's a false gospel. It's not true. Begin to twist the word of God. There's a false gospel that if you go to church and be nice to people, you'll be okay and you'll go to heaven. If you're good, outweighs your bad. I don't know about you, but I hope that's not the case for me. Let your good outweigh your bad. Now here's the good news. Here is the gospel. Here's the clear, pure gospel. The Bible over and over teaches that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not the results of our efforts, baptism, confession to a priest, or any other work of man or woman. So Paul was broken heart. He, was, he started cursing. Look at verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Why, why are they prone to do that? Why are we prone to turn to a different gospel? I think because it makes us feel good. And we don't have enough faith. You see, we want to ju- be our own justifier when we do bad. We want to make up for it on our own strength because in America, that's how you operate. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You, there's, there's, you have to work hard. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You have to, to earn what you get, right? And so then when we, you know, we blow it spiritually as we do daily and it breaks our heart. And so then we try to make up for that on our own. Friend, every time we do that, We offend the cross of Christ. We slap the Lord in the face and say, your blood was not sufficient. What you did on Calvary wasn't enough. 
And it breaks God's heart. And today, He wants us to walk in freedom. There's grace available for you today. So here's the point. Those of you that like points of a sermon, there's one point. There is only one gospel. The good gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's enough. There's only one gospel. The good gospel of Jesus Christ. And this gospel is so good that you can leave everything behind. You can sacrifice everything. You can give your very life for this gospel. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 4 says, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And then Paul says there in verse 10, For I am now, am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Paul's saying, This message I have for you in this letter is probably going to make you upset with me, but I love you. Because the Lord's changed my life, and and He's let me experience His grace. And He begins to share later on. Well, He says there in verse 12, he says, I, was not, I did not receive this gospel from any man or woman. I did not hear this by anything except for revelation. The Lord God knocked Paul off his horse, flat on his back. And he knew this experience. And he began to say, look, if I were trying to please you, I wouldn't be following the Lord. So verse 10 is a powerful verse. May we please Christ and stop Wasting our energy and emotion trying to seek the affections of other people. Trying to please people. It's not going to matter if somebody thinks you're wonderful or not. Paul says, am I trying to please man? I wouldn't be following Jesus if that's the case. So what's the application there? If you're you're pleasing people all the time and everybody thinks you're just hunky-dory, rosy, are you following the same Jesus that Paul was following? Because this gospel is offensive. When was the last time your fellowship of Jesus Christ caused someone to be upset with you? We will not reach people on the Gulf Coast with the gospel of Christ if we want everyone to love us all the time. We want to be known as a church that loves, don't we? But we also want to be known as a church that stands on the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot water it down. We don't need to add to it. Great preacher Adrian Rogers says, Christians ought to do good works to others, but with those good works being accompanied by the gospel of But without those good works being accompanied by the gospel, all you will do is make the world a better place to go to hell from. So this morning, somebody in the house is resisting grace. Many days I resist grace, almost every day. What grace are you resisting today? In the book of Mark, a widow, she gave a few coins And it was more valuable to Jesus than rich man's millions. 
Now, how do you think that made the major donors feel? They had given so much to the Lord. And, and many, maybe with the right heart. But God poured out His grace on this lady. That doesn't make good sense. You accounting and banking people. It doesn't add up that she gave more. That's the gospel. We don't get what we deserve. And what we do receive, we didn't earn it. It's a gift. So the Lord decided to pour out His grace on this widow lady. And then at the end of Galatians chapter 1, and by the way, I'm so fired up about Galatians chapter 2 and Galatians chapter 3. It it can change your life if you capture the truths in this book. But towards the end of chapter 1, basically Paul begins to make an argument, to make a case for his apostleship, that, that he indeed has been sent by God. And I guess he needed to make that case because so many people were, were attacking Paul. In the book of Matthew, Jesus told a story about a farmer who hired some help to work in the vineyards. Some started out early in the morning. Some came at, when they had a smoke break at 10 o'clock. Some came at lunchtime. Some came in the afternoon. And then a few stragglers showed up right there at the end and hardly broke a sweat. And guess what? They were paid the same amount. And everything was okay. Everything was peachy until it came time to pass out the paychecks. And they were upset. And they were mad at the master. And they began to compare their work to everybody else's work. And the master said in Matthew chapter 20 verse 13, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? That's the gospel. God decided before time began to pour His grace out on a a man or woman on their deathbed because they put faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will receive all the blessings of eternity with the Lord Jesus. Just the same. You don't believe that? Look at the thief on the cross. Jesus said today, friend, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't have time to come off that cross and get baptized. He didn't have time to make it to the church house and tithe. He didn't have any time to clean his life up, to learn how to stop cursing, to learn how to stop doing all the things that were he had been caught up in. But he simply had a little bit of faith in a great big God that changed his life. And he went from death to life in that moment. But this story here in the book of Matthew, it goes against modern business leadership practices. You don't motivate your employees by uh, being unfair. You motivate them by being fair. If this business owner lived in America today that that gave out the the denariuses, he would be sued for not giving everyone the same opportunity. 
And the owner decided to pour his grace out on the scragglers. This morning, I'm glad we have a God that pours his grace out on the scragglers, aren't you? You see, it was his vineyard. It was his vineyard. It was his money. And he had every right. Today, this morning, we are in God's vineyard. He gets to decide who he wants to pour his grace out on and and who he doesn't. Jesus said, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. The gospel of grace this morning is not something that we earn. It's given. Christmas is coming up. Beautiful picture of, of the gospel. You sit around the Christmas tree and you pass out gifts. If someone hands you a gift, it's not yours until you receive it. If you just said, hey, I don't want that gift. I don't like that pretty wrapping paper. It offends me. I'm gonna, I don't want to receive it. It's not your gift. Someone wanted to give it to you, but you have to receive it. My grandmother used to buy me these really gaudy sweaters and bright colored clothes, and I just said, I'm never going to wear this stuff. And because I didn't receive it, it really wasn't mine. It just sat in the closet for years and collected dust. You have to receive it. You have to receive the gospel. This goes against how we were raised, many of us. From birth, we've been taught we have certain rights, unalienable rights. We've been taught that because we've sinned, I mean, many in America, I'm sorry, many in America have this attitude, don't we? That we are entitled to this and entitled to that. The truth is we have sinned against the Lord God Almighty who is perfect and we deserve hell and judgment. And not just us, but everybody in this country. And the debt for our sin had to be paid. We could not pay it. Jesus Christ had to pay it. So the problem today with mainstream evangelical Christianity is that we have strayed, in fact, from this gospel. We have added a whole lot to it. We have added all kinds of things. That you have to do this a certain way, or you have to do that, or you have to dress a certain way, or you have to to know all the lingo to really love the Lord, and that's just not true. Paul says, let them be accursed, those who add to the gospel. Because it's not the pure gospel, it's not true, it's not pure milk of the gospel, it's tainted. It's kind of like... I mean, if you drink whole milk and then you taste something different, I mean, it's not even close, right? Now, for half of you, that illustration is not going to fly, so I should have never brought it up. You can put water in your milk if you want to. It's probably more healthy that way. But by accepting the punishment of our sins upon His body... Jesus fulfilled the law. God found a way to forgive. I'll share a quick story from Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. It says, in the movie, The Last Emperor, the young child anointed as the last emperor of China lived a magical life of luxury. And at his beck and call, he would have a thousand servants at his command to do whatever he needed. 
And so his brother asked, what happens when you do wrong? He said, when I do wrong, someone else is punished. To demonstrate, the boy broke a jar and one of the servants is beaten. This morning, the gospel of Jesus Christ is reversed. It reverses this ancient pattern. When the servants erred, that is us, the king was punished. Grace is free to us only because the giver himself has borne the cost. So no, grace is not free. It's not cheap. It's very costly. And Jesus Christ went to the cross. He said, no one takes my life, but I lay it down for my sheep. Brennan Manning shares the story of an Irish priest. An Irish priest that was on a walk and he sees an old peasant kneeling down by the side of the road praying. Impressed, the priest says to the man, you must be very close to God. The peasant looks up from his prayers. He thinks for a moment and then he smiles. Yes, he's very fond of me. This morning, the Lord is fond of you. Do you know that? He's proud because you're His. He loves you. You are on His refrigerator. He loves you more than you know. In sports, you have to, in order to win, you have to make the shot in the second half. In the World Series, you have to hit the base hit in the bottom of the night to bring the scoring run across home plate. In football, you have to make that first down to put the game away. Not with Christianity. You simply have to accept this amazing grace purchased by Christ. You don't have to make the shot. You don't have to have what it takes. In fact, you don't have what it takes. Once you accept this free gift of salvation, we have to daily receive it, new grace. So upon salvation, you have to receive that. Isn't it interesting that all the new believers are always the ones that are most excited about the Lord? They've been set free. They're ready to sing to the Lord. They're ready to tell other people about Jesus. But those of us that have been saved for a while, you know, when we become experts, we forget that there's still new grace for us. Grace upon grace daily for our life. And we must extend that same grace to others. This morning, is God's grace enough for you? We sing about it. The last verse of this chapter Paul says, and they glorified God because of me. Maybe this morning you hear that verse and you say, man, I don't know who's glorified in my, I don't know who's glorified, who's glorifying God because of my life. If that's you this morning, there's grace for you, friend. There's grace and it's deep and it's wide. Is God's grace enough for you? If you go back home today and your house is burnt down, is God's grace enough for you? If you lose your job, if you lose your marriage, is God's grace enough for you? 
If you lose every friend that you have, is God's grace enough for you? If you go bankrupt, is God's grace enough for you? If you have to live the rest of your life eating nothing but rice and a few scraps, is God's grace enough for you? If you go to prison for the rest of your life, is God's grace enough for you? If God never blesses you ever again, if He never answers another prayer for you, for, you, for your life, for your family, is God's grace enough for you? There's a couple named Todd and Kathy Toe. And they go to North Hills Baptist Church in Wiggins, Mississippi. And ten years ago, their youngest son, Anthony, was diagnosed with leukemia. And their faith never wavered. A year and a half later, their oldest son, Daryl, was diagnosed with the same type of cancer. As Anthony battled cancer, the oldest son, he eventually lost his leg. He received a bone marrow transplant at the age of six. At the same time, they had been traveling back and forth from the hospitals in New Orleans and Mobile. And then both of the cancers was in remission for a few years, and they were so excited. And then in 2014, their youngest daughter, Savannah, was diagnosed with the same acute leukemia as her two brothers. All the treatment and visits to the hospital started again. Two years into Savannah's treatments, Daryl came complaining of back pain, which was eventually diagnosed as his return, his cancer had returned. The family began to face financial and still face very much so today extreme, unusual financial debt. As treatment for Daryl, the oldest son was scheduled to begin. He became septic. A sore under his arm had allowed an infection to fester. Surgery was performed to remove the infection. But it was not enough, and he succumbed to infection, and his leukemia prevented this treatment for the infection, and Daryl went to be with the Lord, age 23, March 10, 2016. 23 years old the oldest son. Travels to hotels and all the doctor bills begin to increase. Todd and Kathy have three kids. One went to be with the Lord and the other two have leukemia. And they can say His grace is enough. And if they can say it, then we can say it. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But we bear this gospel in our own bodies daily. We carry it around with us. And for this family, His grace has to be enough. And it is enough. Do you know that God's grace is enough for you this morning? Who do you worship this morning? Why do you worship? Because you think God owes you something because of your good works? Friend, that's a false gospel. I'd like everyone to close their eyes, just have a time of personal reflection. 
We're about to go into a time of response. And lately, maybe it's yourself that's been your greatest enemy. Maybe it's yourself that's began to put all this pressure on your spiritual life. It's not the Lord, it's your own self. Convinced that you can earn merit with God, and that's not true. God is pleased in us because the Father is pleased in the Son. This morning, God's grace is coming your way. It's being placed in front of you and you have a decision to make. Receive that grace. If, you're, if you've never been born again, for the first time in your life, the Lord is asking you to receive His free gift of salvation. And to all who are believers this morning, new grace is coming and being placed before you. Grace upon grace. And the Lord, He just wants you to receive it because He loves you. He loves you this morning. Jesus loves you. For the Bible tells us so. This morning, will you receive that grace? If you'd like to receive it for the first time, we're up front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. If you need to come kneel at the altar and just receive the fresh water of God's grace, you can do that. Jesus said, if a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. His grace is here today, made available to you. But you have to receive it by faith. Will you receive it this morning?